and welcome to the Soccer History USA podcast. On today's episode, the Inter-Allied Games. The Inter-Allied Games were an athletic competition that took place between June 22nd and July 6th, 1919 in Paris. The Games were the first major international sporting competition since the 1912 Olympics, although they weren't sanctioned by the International Olympic Committee or, as we'll see a little bit later, by FIFA. There were 76 events held at the Games. Most of them were traditional kinds of uh, track and field events, swimming, boxing, and other things of that sort. Some of them were unusual, I guess we might say, including a tug-of-war competition and a grenade throw. And the grenade throw was one of the few events where a world record was set, and I would suspect that world record may still stand. As part of the Inter-Allied Games, there was a soccer tournament that uh, had eight teams competing, Czechoslovakia, France, Italy, Greece, Romania, Canada, and the United States. And in today's podcast, I want to talk a little bit about the games and the effects that they had on soccer, particularly in the United States. As we'll see, football in France was changed uh, dramatically as a result of World War I and participation in the games. And I also believe that the experience of World War I and the inter-allied games helped to contribute to the development of the golden age of U.S. soccer during the 1920s. The games were first proposed by an American YMCA official on October 15, 1918, and although the U.S. Army uh, brass were interested in the games from the beginning, Preparations began only after the armistice was signed in November 1918 and World War I was officially over. Now, why did the games take place? Uh, in other words, what was in it for the, the parties involved in sponsoring, organizing, and hosting these events? Well, for the U.S. Army, the inter-allied games were a, a way of solving a problem that they faced at the end of the hostilities. They had hundreds of thousands of men who were now not occupied with uh, military tasks, or at least not fighting a war. And the, uh, the brass were afraid that uh, these men, if left to their own devices, would pursue immoral and potentially dangerous activities, like drinking too much, like visiting prostitutes, like just generally causing problems. And a set of athletic activities was a way of channeling their uh, energies and their time away from more potentially hazardous uh, pursuits. It was also in the eyes of some uh, of uh, one French historian, it was the cultural face of the kind of political rivalries and negotiations that were taking place as the uh, what would become the Versailles Treaty was being negotiated and as the United States and other countries were jockeying for influence in this new Europe that would emerge after the conflict. And finally, the United States military and government was interested in spreading democracy and its own ideals, as well as combating what they saw as the pernicious danger of communism. After all, the Soviet Union had just taken power uh, near the, uh, during the war in Russia, and they felt like 
good, healthy games were a way of uh, preventing uh, radical politics from taking hold. For the YMCA, who uh, foot much of the bill for the games and who were crucial to organizing the games, it was a way of promoting United States sporting culture and their particular view of that sporting culture, which was Protestant muscular Christianity, that uh, athletic activity would hone the, the body while spiritual activity and uh, Christian uh, worship and, and morals would hone the spiritual side of uh, human beings. For France, who hosted the games, it was a way of showing that French men had improved in physical and athletic terms since their disaster showing at the 1912 Olympics, and success in the games would show that France had emerged from the war not only victorious, but as a modern sporting nation. It also probably didn't hurt that for the French, the Americans were going to build a brand new stadium in Paris, uh, paid for primarily by the YMCA and built largely by uh, United States soldiers. 29 nations, colonies, and dependents were invited to participate in the inter-allied games, and these countries and uh, other uh, territories were from around the world, South America, Central America, Africa, Asia, Europe, uh, North America. Ultimately, 18 uh, accepted, although some of these had only nominal participation. So, for example, Guatemala was represented by a sprinter who happened to be attending medical school in Paris uh, during the time of the Games. England sent only a few uh, competitors, uh, not a soccer team, as you may have noticed at the start, for reasons that are somewhat hazy as to why England was not a full participant in the Games. The rules stipulated that all participants had to have been soldiers during the war, and they didn't really make or care much about whether or not one was a professional or an amateur athlete. The United States won the competition, I guess we could say, or what we might now call the medal count, went to the United States. France was second, and Italy was a distant third. In terms of soccer, it might help to kind of back up a little bit and talk a little bit about soccer during the First World War. Uh, it's important to remember that for most armies, most of the soldiers did not spend a significant part of their time in combat. So we think of the First World War and we see trenches, we see uh, charges across no man's land and barbed wire and all that sort of thing. But the reality was is that most of the time soldiers were not actively involved in those sorts of activities. And so they had a lot of free time. And the governments of many of these powers tried to channel that time into recreational pursuits, including soccer. And when all of the allied armies began to intermingle, uh, the English, the Canadians, the Australians, the French, they saw soccer as a common game that they could all participate in together. And so they set up competitions, both between different units, let's say, of the armed forces of a particular nation, or even between uh, different nations. So, for instance, a uh, friendly, I guess we might say, between France and New Zealand that was uh, held in Paris in 1916 attracted 40,000 spectators. 
And as these two teams played over the course of the next three years, they never attracted a crowd of under 15,000. The soldiers from the United States also participated and watched soccer quite a bit during the course of the war. So, for example, between January and May of 1919, 1.5 million American soldiers participated in soccer games uh, in Europe, primarily in France, but also in uh, Germany. Nearly 1.2 million Soldiers, American soldiers, watched soccer games during the course of the war and in the months immediately afterwards. The YMCA uh, provided athletic equipment of all sorts uh, for soldiers to, to use during the, the conflict. And between July of 1918 and May of 1919, the YMCA bought and shipped over to France 20,894 soccer balls for American soldiers to, to use. The cost of all of these uh, uh, balls was about uh, was more than a hundred thousand dollars in 1919, which is the equivalent of about 1.3 million dollars today. So the YMCA spent over a million dollars providing soccer balls for U.S. soldiers to use uh, during World War One. It wasn't just in Europe that American soldiers were playing and watching soccer. The United States Football Association gave or donated equipment soccer equipment to military training camps around the country. And some of these were located in places that we might suspect, states that had a, a history of playing soccer even prior to the, to the war, places like New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. But some of these training camps were in states uh, that we don't think of as soccer hotbeds, such as Oklahoma, Texas, Georgia, and Alabama. The United States team for the Inter-Allied Games was determined through a playoff tournament that took place between Army teams from different regions. So the American Expeditionary Force, as, the, uh, uh, as it was called, was divided into different regions. And each one of those regions had a team, and they came together in May of 1919 for a tournament to determine who would represent the U.S. at the Inter-Allied Games. The final, which took place on May 15th, was between the American Embarkation Center at Le Mans and the Third Army. And these two teams were clearly the best in the, um, in the tournament, in the finals, I guess we might say. They had won by scores of 10 to 1 and 12 to nothing over some of the other Army teams. So they were clearly the best squads that the U.S. had. The final was evenly balanced, due in part to the stout defense of the Third Army, and the game finished full-time uh, in a 1-1 draw. They then proceeded to play three 30-minute extra, uh, extra periods before Le Mans scored first on a 40-yard belter and then followed by a penalty to win by a final score of 3-1. Curiously, though, only three of the starting 11 on that Le Mans championship squad ultimately uh, represented the U.S. Uh, in the inter-allied games. But uh, five from the runners-up squad of the Third Army were chosen to participate in, for the, uh, participate in the inter-allied games. The uh, rest of the squad was then uh, picked by Jack McKinsey, who was a YMCA official uh, pretty much responsible for the soccer portion of the competition. Uh, 
Now, who were these players? I've uh, posted the names of the players, both for the uh, Le Mans team and the Third Army team and the roster as listed for the Inter-Allied Games soccer team. I've posted those on the website, www.soccerhistoryusa.org. And I hope that people might have some more information about some of the players because it became uh, or it is incredibly difficult due to the fact that the sources are often contradictory. There are often spelling inconsistencies or mistakes. Sometimes uh, only partial information is given, a last name, or perhaps a rank like Lieutenant Hall. So it can be really difficult to identify many of the men who participated in the Inter-Allied Games or even in the um, American Expeditionary Force Championship Games in May of 1919. One of the players who was the goalie for the Le Mans squad in the championships was named Edward Demmer. And despite the fact that his draft registration card said that he had a bad eye and rheumatism, uh, perhaps not the best ailments for a goalkeeper, uh, he was from Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania, which is a, a town near Pittsburgh, and he played for the Donora Steelworks uh, Football Club, who were winners of the Western Pennsylvania Association title in 1914-15. Uh, Demmer, however, did not go on to represent uh, his country at the Inter-Allied Games. In all likelihood, he was rotated back or demobilized back to the United States before the Games took place. Two other players from the Le Mans champions uh, team who did go on to participate in the Inter-Allied Games were both from Chicago, Illinois. One was Robert Gardner, who had played for the, a team called the Calumets before the war, and the other was Joe Cunot. Cunot was born in 1895 in Illinois, although his parents had immigrated from Czechoslovakia. Uh, before the war, Kunat had uh, played for the Hungarian Bohemians, and his position was outside left. During the war, he trained to be an infantryman at Camp Grant in Rockford, Illinois, uh, later home of 70s rock supergroup Cheap Trick, uh, where he played soccer. He played soccer while he was training. Uh, sometimes he played for various camp teams, uh, and he also uh, played for a team called Rangers, who reached the semifinal of the Peel Cup, which was um, the State Association uh, Cup of Illinois, in 1918. And after the war, Kunat uh, played for legendary Chicago squad Sparta. Another player of note from the American uh, Inter-Allied Games team was named Maurice Hudson. Maurice Hudson had been born in London in 1890, but he lived in San Francisco, California. He played for the famous Barbarians Club that won four California Cups between 1910 and 1926. Later, Hudson was the top man at the California Football Association from 1935 to 1950. As far as I can tell, Maurice Hudson is the only, uh, only individual who participated in the Inter-Allied Games who has since been elected to the National Soccer Hall of Fame. Hudson was elected in 1966, but importantly, he didn't go in as a player, he went in as a builder. 
That brings up the question of just how good was this U.S. squad. And the fact is they were probably not the the greatest in terms of quality and probably not the best that the U.S. could have fielded. Uh, it's pretty clear from the uh, United States Football Association uh, reports that many players, many soccer players who had uh, participated in teams and leagues and competitions around the country before the war uh, served uh, in the armed forces during the conflict. And as a result, many teams were forced to disband or suspend play, even whole leagues. Uh, ended up, um, you know, being unable to field enough teams during the course of the war. So certainly there were a lot of experienced American soccer players who uh, who served in the military and therefore would have been eligible to participate in the inter-allied games. Probably, though, for the American officials, uh, the soccer portion of the competition was not, uh, you know, a high priority. If we look at the official athletic almanac of the American Expeditionary Force, they devote 17 pages to American football and just three to soccer. I should add that American football was originally scheduled to be one of the events at the Inter-Allied Games, but they ultimately had to drop it, probably because nobody, uh, you know, no other country uh, actually played the game. The Another indication of perhaps the way uh, officials viewed soccer is that for other athletic events, mostly track and field, but also swimming, the military was not uh, against returning soldiers to Europe who had already been demobilized back home. And so there were a number of athletes, mainly track and field uh, stars, who had been collegiate uh, runners or uh, you know, shot putters or, um, you know, other uh, uh, participated in other events. And they were actually returned, brought back from the United States to France, especially to participate in the inter-allied games. So one of these men was Solomon Butler, who won the long jump at the games. And another was Norman the Big Moose Ross, who was a swimmer. Uh, and he nearly swept the uh, swimming events at the inter-allied games, winning a uh, top uh, prize in five of the six swimming events. Later, he would go on to win three gold medals at the 1920 Olympics and was one of the most successful swimmers of his era. Other nations who participated in the soccer tournament did seem to put a much higher priority. So, for instance, Greece, Romania, and Canada all handpicked their teams, and so these squads were essentially all-star teams chosen from the best soldiers, best soccer-playing soldiers that they could find. The French team was mainly taken from the French Army Championship squad, and uh, they also supplemented it with uh, current and future internationals. So again, it was a fairly strong team. Czechoslovakia essentially uh, used the almost the entire uh, roster of the club team Sparta Prague as its representative for the Inter-Allied Games. The soccer tournament took place between June 24th and June 29th, and the teams were organized into two groups. The first group consisted of France, Italy, Greece, and Romania, and the second group, which is what we might call the group of death, because of course any international soccer tournament has to have a group of death, even if there are only two groups. 
Uh, but the group of death at the Inter-Allied Games was probably Czechoslovakia, the United States, Belgium, and Canada. Each team would play all the other teams in its group, and the two group winners would uh, continue on to the final. In the United States' first match, they beat Canada 5-4. to four. Uh, A French paper later claimed that the U.S. ref gave out four straight penalties to the United States after Canada jumped out to a 3-0 lead. However, the official record of the games lists a Czechoslovakian as the referee for that particular game and not an American. So it's just another example of how uh, the sources sometimes differ, and it's difficult to know what really happened. But at the end of the day, the United States got a victory over its northern neighbors. In the next game, the U.S. was routed 8-2 to two by the Czechs, although the French papers praised the United States for scoring two goals against what was seen as a very tough and stout Czech uh, defense. Some of the other comments about the American team sound very familiar to anyone who's read anything about American soccer teams in international competitions uh, over the course of the last uh, 100 years. That is that they were bold and strong uh, and they were willing runners who could go uh, all, uh, you know, run all day. The final match uh, for the United States was probably their worst showing, uh, losing 7 to nothing to Belgium, and they were then, of course, eliminated from the tournament. The final pitted Czechoslovakia against France, and the game was pretty tight all the way through, thanks largely to heroic defending by the French and the goalie uh, Pierre Chariguet, who was uh, linked before the war, purportedly had an offer to sign with Tottenham, uh, but had refused, and the French led two to not, two to one rather until deep into the second half, when the Czechs were able to score two quick goals in the final five minutes to take the crown. So, what were the long-term effects of the Inter-Allied Games? Well, in terms of France, uh, the Inter-Allied Games helped contribute to a new vision of sporting manhood uh, and sparked a institutional reorganization of French football, and that sparked a surge in the popularity of the sport in France, as it had always been second um, fiddle to rugby. But after World War I and after the, sh- the, the good showing in the games, uh, France would become really a modern uh, footballing nation. What about the effects in the United States? I believe that it contributed to the golden age of American soccer that then happened in the 1920s. We do know that both boxing and American football experienced a boom as a result of the war experience. Soldiers were able to participate in these sports. Uh, We must remember that American football at this point was largely a college game. And for men who didn't attend university, they may not have experienced, played the game or gone to a game or even really seen a game. But now they had that opportunity during the war. So it's not unreasonable to think something similar may have happened with soccer. It's important to note that both Thomas Cahill and Peter Peel, who at times led the United States Federation, they certainly believed that exposure to the game during the war helped to increase 
its popularity during the 1920s. And we can see evidence of this through the number of clubs who entered the National Challenge Cup. So in 1917-18, which is the last year before the United States entered the war, only 54 clubs were participated in the competition. And by 1921-22, which is the first record we have after the war, there were 132 entries. As we know, the American Soccer League began in 1921, and the decade also featured hugely successful tours of various foreign teams, including Sparta Prague uh, uh, and others, uh, Sparta Prague, who came in 1926. Now, of course, the Inter-Allied Games and World War I were not the only impetus for the golden age of American soccer in the 1920s. A foundation had been laid prior to the conflict, uh, not the least of which was the founding of the United States Football Association itself in 1913, so just about five years before the United States entered World War I. But that foundation, uh, while it was there, I think did, did receive an important boost uh, during the war and the inter-allied games. Thank you for listening to the Soccer History USA podcast. For episode notes, please visit the website at www.soccerhistoryusa.org and follow me on Twitter at Soccer History US.